0: Welcome. Good evening, everyone. Mm-hmm. So we're continuing our discussion of the Dhamma Rastakam. Sri Dhamma Rastakam ki jai. Satyavati Muni ki jai. jai. Sri Sanatanda Swami Prabhupada ki jai. jai. Kodpremanandir. Happy <coughs> Happy birthday. Bye. <laughs> Bye. So we're discussing the first verse of the and we heard in our last um, gathering how the Muni, Satyabhata Muni, had um, begun his astakam with uh, the appropriate and typical um, uh, invoking, really, of auspiciousness, Namam Mishvaram. In brief, he seeks to petition the deity... Um, and offer his respects unto him aspiring in this way for the power to appropriately um, uh, glorify him, to attempt to do justice, to um, speaking about his uh, extraordinaryness and uh, and with the intention of uh, making the assertion that his idea here is Ananya Bhakti, hmm, or exclusive devotion to one pointed to the one who is the fountainhead of all forms of the Godhead, hmm, Sri Krishna, um, who is his Pran Ishwar, the Lord of his heart and hmm, his life further described as saccharanandarupam a phrase uh, that is cited uh, elsewhere in Brahma Samhita we find this Gopal tapani Panishad begins with this um, phrase as well and throughout the sacred texts he is uh, praised as such the very uh, form of uh, eternity knowledge and bliss of which we are as we discussed in brief um, last night, a small atomic uh, particle, mm? different in quantity and different in quality also. Mm? The quality of our uh, blissfulness and knowing is different, and um, as far as our sat, we we exist in a, in a similar way without transformation, mm? eternal. So... If the idea is we make a connection with Him, with our source, which is the who is the ocean, we are the drop, and the channel is bhakti, that is Radha that connects the two, then our capacity to know and love reaches its full potential. The jiva is a unit that of such ananda that uh, is of a nature that lends itself to nurture. So we can either be malnurtured by the influence of the maya shakti, and develop a material personality and identify with matter and such, or misidentify I should say, and become like matter, hard-hearted, something like that, not caring. Hmm. Matter unto itself doesn't have that capacity to care, or if by good and that's one of the forces in the world, the force of karma, right? That has no beginning. The world has no, no beginning. The jivas have no beginning. The uh, Bhagawan, Mahavishnu, has no beginning. The world is compared to his, his breath, so he doesn't have a, a beginning first first breath, so the world has no beginning. It comes and goes as breathing does, in and out. And what kind of makes the whole thing go around is the connection between the jivas and jiva shakti and the maya shakti through the glue or the the medium of karma. Hmm? So, under the influence of the maya shakti, then we are drifting in the world. But along with the Anadi karma, there is anadi bhakti, so there's always bhakti in the world. There are always sadhakas in the world. Indeed, Krishna comes to the world for them. He doesn't come for those under the influence of Maya, but he comes for the devotees who, in turn, go after the people who are influenced by Maya and are the mediums thereby which, through which bhakti uh, distributes herself and makes people attractive Krishna. He's attracted by his svarupa shakti, by bhakti. He's not attracted fortunately by the maya shakti. So that would be a problem. <laughs> as we know he would not be in the capacity to, to, to deliver us. So, it's as he does through the agency of his devotees. So this is so There's maya, karma is always the influence in the world and, and there's always the influence of bhakti in the world hmm. so if we are nourished rather than mer- malnourished nourished by the Shakti then then we have the um, capacity to develop a spiritual personality and relationship with with Bhagavan and be uh, players in Lila Seva in service within his his Lila his play hmm which is the, the subject here, it will come up tonight, that hmm, play. So we'll talk a little bit about the nature of as We come to that in line three, but we come today to line two. Lasat kundalam gokule prajavanam. So, he now further describes his deity, the Ishwar, whose form is eternal, uh, of we'll knowledge and bliss, by saying, Lasat kundalam, so... A little bit of uh, deliberation on the tattva, and uh, the now on the the, uh, the the beauty of Krishna. Lasat kundalam. Kundalam means uh, earrings, <laughs> and, and uh, lasat means the swinging, swinging earling earrings. <laughs> So he has swinging earlings, earrings, <laughs> and, uh, excuse me, and especially uh, the idea is the case in this particular leela, because as we'll hear when the leela is introduced, hmm, here's a, a, a some, we're building up to that. So we've heard about him hmm. as the Ishwar, he's such an on the and that's interesting enough, but now he's got earrings also that are beautiful. So the implication here also is, is what? That um, it was, when we say Satchitananda, okay, Satchitananda Rupam, the form of Satchitananda, one might think, well, okay, whatever that means, it's just a way of speaking, but it's obviously no form to eternity, it doesn't have a shape knowledge doesn't have a shape unto itself uh it informs actions by which shapes come about and so forth but and 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 love you know how can you put a shape on it but of course love should have a form to express itself hmm? uh, and why not a form of knowledge and beauty but this is an abstract idea so even though he uses the word rupam such in an and under rupam the form of eternity bliss and knowledge in a sense, in the second line, he wants to go further and, and make sure you understand. I'm saying he's got a shape, <laughs> actually, and he wears earrings. Get it? There's 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 here, There's differentiation, unlike we find in uh, in in brahman. Hmm? This is the param brahman. So, we have an undifferentiated, indeterminate, absolute, and then a determinate absolute. The indeterminate absolute you can't say a lot about. I guess you can get under the skin and do the math a little bit there and <laughs> get some idea about like the world that comes out of it. As We were speaking with Prabhupada earlier today. But um, as we were saying also the other night, consciousness uh, is, uh, is not a thing or a thought. So to, it, it's, it's, if it's, sometimes it's thought, what in the world most resembles God? If there was one thing in the world that most resembled God, what would it be? And the answer is the self, con- the unit of con- a unit of consciousness, hmm? is most like Him, which is beyond the things and the thoughts of the world. Um, it's it's uh, how do you measure that which measures? Would be the idea. So. How does a ruler measure it? So, so consciousness is the measurer, the observer. Hmm? Um, so to talk about it and measure it and so forth and so on, as is, is, is I say, is, and to define it and all this is difficult. It's the basis of definition. Definition arises out of it. Meaning, purpose all arise out of it and so on and so forth. So, so the atma is similar to Brahman, different. Therefore, Atmananda is one thing, Brahmananda is another thing, Bhaktiyananda is another thing, but there's a similarity, uh, uh, quite a similarity between Brahmananda and Atmananda. Hmm. And so often that kind of similarity is what's described in the scripture. And again, uh, if there's anything in the world that's most like God, it's us, and so the scripture kind of points to us. It's kind of like you're in a cave, and you have no idea what sunlight is like, your friend gets out of the cave, has the experience of sunlight, and all that it means. It means rain. Hmm? It means vegetation. Uh, it's peaceful to the mind. And uh, so, I mean, What can you say if you've just lived in a cave your whole life? So he comes back in the cave and wants to tell his friend, I just saw the light, the sun. How can he describe it? So he makes a little hole in the wall, the guy won't budge, he won't go out, doesn't believe it, that there could be such a thing as light. Because hmm? he's lived in a cave in the darkness, this whole life. So a little crack in the wall, a little ray of sun. This is the sun. That's true. So the Upanishads speak like this. This is the, the Atma, is is Brahman. Hmm? It's a ray of the, something like that. But of course, if you do go outside of the cave, there's quite a bit of difference between the sun and the little crack in the wall, That, as they say. From the sun comes, who, who, who can, where can you, we begin, right? The whole, what grows in a cave, and then what grows outside, and how much is dependent upon light, and so on and so forth. So, the scriptures talk to different people and different, different mindsets, and different measures of, of Sukriti and um, uh, samskara, and it's about the nature of the absolute. Bhagavatam, of course, is coming on with the full force. But... Um, there are those statements in the scripture that are more kind of a of a beginner's um, course on the nature of uh consciousness. Mm-hmm. So um Brahman is undifferentiated and is so indeterminate and when we come to the Param Brahma, then he's determined that he has qualities variety love itself if, if if we have a capacity to love hmm, as a unit of consciousness then there must be a significant other in order to play that out fully in relation to love is evaluated on a scale of reciprocity. Hmm? you yeah. know if, if, if you the two really can like read one another's minds and feel for exchange hearts and stay in the same body and love has reached its uh, its its perfection and so forth. So if there's no one to reciprocate with, you could there is a self love. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. Self is worth worth loving. We talked about it last night as being the object of love in the world, but this is only a beginning idea, right? Mm-hmm. So a significant consciousness of the other and love by its nature, it requires movement, it requires um, variety, it requires a oneness and a difference at the same time. If you and I become one, then you and I become we. You and I are still there, but you and I are now a a third thing, we. So it's a dynamic kind of union. So this is the... Idea within uh, Vaishnavism, as opposed to spiritual monism, which speak of material monism. Mm-hmm. Variety that does not compromise the unity. Here we find that variety, which is an appearance, right, that arises from the mind and the senses, is what puts us at odds with one another. So for you it's hot, for me it's cold. For you it's happy, for me it's sad. For you it's good, for me it's bad. And to one extent or another, because of our reading of the world through the limitations of the senses, including the mind, hmm, we're at—we can't quite come together on everything. We're, we have a different picture of it, hmm? yeah. and um, and so the variety isn't only an appearance of such, and it compromises the sense of unity. But we, as individuals, we pine for unity and diversity at the same time long enough you want unity of one nation so then you'll want it'll move towards wanting differentiation within it or you want unity through love with their better half and then you want your own space to <laughs> something like that so we the, the combination of these two this is uh, this is, is uh, what, is, to some extent, is involved in in love. So, a world of movement, love is a movement, and of variety, differentiation, and so forth. So, Lasat Kundalami, he's got earrings, uh, he wants to kind of underscore the point of who, what the nature of the Ishwar that he's talking about. Something can be said about him. Again, uh, Shankar comes to the conclusion that that uh, the nature of the Absolute is such that, that being beyond words, beyond thought, hmm, you have to be silent and stop thinking. In Bhakti, of course, this, this Shakti, that, this Bhakti, this Sarup Shakti, that makes for the variety of the spiritual world, I think we were speaking about yesterday, the more the influence of the Shakti, the more the Absolute is moving. Hmm? In Brahman, it's all kind of still in hmm? kind of a potential hmm? when you get to narayan and lakshmi there's movement it's very interesting because here we in the material world we live and we live largely in a, in a kind of a identification with the physical and all the limitations that that go with that when we when we want to move away from the limitations of the physical world then we use our mind Right, and we create stories that are more. Like I said the other night, you li- everyone lives happily, happily ever after, you know, in the movie or something like that. So we we, we expand the 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 possibilities through the mind. Hmm. Intellect is more spacious. Then we come to Brahman, categorically different, and we are identified with that which is everywhere. So we feel that we're everywhere sent from everywhere. Hmm. Right? Your email. Sent from everywhere. (laughs) So, but then the talk with the Vaishnavism comes, we start talking about forms and differentiation again. It seems to become smaller. If we go from Brahman to Vaikuntha, there seems to be like uh, considerations of time and and space. Um, Planets, Forms and so on. So it looks like it's getting smaller. Hmm? And then you get to Goloka and Vrindavan, it's really small. It's just a little village. It's a tiny place. And Krishna's not even godlike in appearance, hmm? like Narayan is, for example, with his four hands and so forth. But of course, properly understood, what's happening here is that as we go from Brahman to Vaikuntha, the domain if you will or the realm is actually becoming more spacious even while it takes on a finite like appearance and to Golok and brudge more spacious because what's being described is a development of affection hmm? so if you love someone then you can live under a rock hmm? it doesn't matter it's big mahaprabhu Dev lived in a small room called the Gambira. It means deep. It was small but it was deep because of his his loving sensibilities there, experiencing the, the love of, of Radha in a systematic way as his sadhana reached such a high point that inner life was fully dominating and his public life was retired at that time. Hmm? If you've been to Puri and seen the Gambira, it's a small stone room. It's maybe like six by eight or something like that. No windows. But such a big idea is coming out of that. Such a huge idea. So a a loving existence is a most spacious existence. You could live in a huge place like a desert with nobody else around and be absolutely miserable and feel restrained and, uh, and so on and so forth. So this progression continues... It's an obvious progression, if you will, in possibility from the physical, to the mental, to the intellectual, to Brahman. Hmm? But then again, it looks like it's getting smaller. You go to Vaikuntha and go look, but properly understood, it's getting bigger, bigger, greater possibility for love. Hmm? We come to that here as, as, we, as we go on. But here, in a beginning way, he says, lasat kundalam. So he refers to the ornaments of Krishna. And the implication of this also is not only that Krishna is variegated, he has ornaments and qualities and, uh, and and so on and so forth, and much that can be said about him. Again, Shankar says nothing can be said, and we say not enough can be said about him ever. Words can never do justice. Therefore, we don't remain silent, but we just, we're, we're continually speaking about him. Hmm. Shankar should just sit and listen. <laughs> they have nothing to say. Hmm. So, but, uh, the further idea here is that he has ornaments. The, the earrings have been chosen here for a couple of reasons. One, because in the Leela he's, he's, he's going to be moving as we hear hmm, behind the, 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 uh, the stick of Jashoda and they're going to be swinging and the poets are seeing the earrings kissing the cheeks of Krishna hmm? and thinking, these earrings are the most fortunate of his earrings. Hmm? Cheek kissing <laughs> of Krishna goes on in all all three rasas of, of the braj, you know, the Tsali rasa, Saki rasa, and Madhuri rasa as well. Hmm? We find it in Prihat Bhagavatamrita, the Priyanarmasaka, Sarupa also dreaming about, aspiring, being kissed by Krishna on the cheeks, and and so forth. So, they're all thinking in these sentiments, what is the good fortune of the uh, earrings that they're, as he moves, they swing to and fro, and they're long, apparently, dangling, and kissing his cheeks, such is their good fortune. The implication also is that they're alive, hmm? the whole world is alive. You see, in one sense, what makes the material world dead, if you will, is the is the lens through which we uh, we look at it. In one sense, um, the mind has sometimes been compared to a, a vulture. So vultures they live high in the sky and look down on it, look you know investigate everything, but they are just looking for, for something dead. So the mind is is material when we we activate it. Uh, when we activate matter, hmm, subtle matter, and subtle matter evolves into gross matter, then the show of, of material existence has been kind of turned on. Um, so just like a television or a movie requires a viewer in order to for turn on and have meaning, hmm, um, we've turned on the show, but the show... Then has the capacity to take over our lives, and so someone you see someone turn on the television and they can't get up from the you know from the chair, they need someone to come and pull them away and say, hey, you know, there's a, there's more to life than sitting there you know, at the boob tube. Hmm? So having turned on the show, then the show has the capacity to take over our lives. Hmm? That's an unfortunate reality uh, in uh, of, of material. Uh, existence. <clears throat> um, so, what was my point? Come out of that. Of course, we're interested in, in doing, um, and <clears throat> and so anyway, Lasat kundalam, um his uh, his earrings are alive. Is the point. Um, and what makes things dead, if you will, is in one sense the way we look at them. When we look at things as if they are are for our purposes, hmm, then we don't see them for what they are, because everything has a purpose in relation to it, their source, the absolute. When we see them separate from that, then their full life can't be seen. We kind of take their life out of them, because now we're bringing them into the world of our mental world, world, our not-so-sovereign domain of goods and bads, happies and sads, our judgments that we place on the world and so forth, our determinations, and we really take the life out of things. And, and this is an, what we call an enjoying spirit. Bhaktisodhana Sarstitaka described humility, a very important uh, quality, I think we mentioned it the other night, as absence of the enjoying spirit, Hm. So very interesting. Um and when you when you look at the world without the spirit of enjoying, you're no longer in Purushabov. Purushabhav means the pusher, the enjoyer, the the center. Hm? Whether it be male or female. We're all in the Purushabhav. So to come out from that then to see who is actually the, the Purusha hmm. then we see everything in relation to him, and everything becomes alive hmm? because we see it for, in terms of its um, connection with its source and its purpose, and so forth. So, Mahabrabhu felt he 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 explained that the grass told me I should be humble. The grass was talking. The trees were talking to him about being tolerant. The world starts to talk to you in a, in a whole different way when you don't approach it with the Purushabhav. I've said in other, at other times, on numerous occasions, that if you love someone, then they'll tell you all their secrets. So the world will speak to us about her source, hmm? about herself in relation to her source. And so... You can understand there's a possibility of a world that's alive and not killed, if you will. the spirit of it is being uh, in its purpose being obscured by the medium of the mind hmm, and the lens of of Purushahahav, so a world everything alive and serving Krishna so the earrings are alive, and they're very fortunate it's thought. The other idea here in mentioning. The ornaments, the earrings of Krishna, is that this is—he is beginning to talk about the beauty of Krishna. He's trying to say a word or two about the beauty of of Krishna, and there is a um, an, there are a number of statements in the scriptures with regard to the way in which the ornaments serve the purpose of uh, revealing something about the beauty of krishna and it's peculiar in that it's it's thought that they do so by way of becoming beautiful in connection with him you can just try to imagine it ordinarily it's thought you find some beautiful jewelry and you're just dazzled by that it's you know a nice arrangement of jewels and gold or silver or something like that and you place it on someone, and they become that much more beautiful. That here, the idea in the Scripture is that, regarding Christians: is the opposite, that the ornaments become beautified in relation to him. So it's an attempt to try... By speaking about his ornaments, he wants to speak about his beauty and make it clear to us that the Satchitananda rupam really is a form in the real sense of the term. Um, it's a form like ours, but... When we say like ours, it means it's also very different. So human-like, like is an important word there. Hmm? And as we see in this Leela, as we go on, his form is everywhere. We're inside of it. Hmm? What about that? Hmm? A little different than ours, which again is subject to transformation. It's not sat. Anyway, we'll get ahead of ourselves. But here, the beauty, so the idea that he beautifies his ornaments. They're, they're, they become alive in relation to him. Ordinarily, you put on ornaments, they don't talk to you or kiss you on the cheek. Or, but his ornaments become alive in relation to him. They begin to dance and so forth and become that much more beautiful. Hmm? Um, and Gokule Brajulanam, he says. So here, from the beauty of Krishna. Briefly, he goes to the parikara, the associates of Krishna. Gokule Brajamanam. So Brajamanam means that it's like shining. He shines brilliantly in Gokul. Gokul is, of course, the name of his, his, his realm. Gokul. Like cow people place. It means, Gokul means family. So cowherd community, something like that. We always see Krishna depicted with the cows, and um, cows, of course, are thought, uh, and appropriately so, appropriately so, to be givers. Um, what they take, if you will, in comparison to what they give, is very, very small. The grass is a very insignificant thing, I um, mean, it grows even between the cracks of the concrete. You know, so it's, it doesn't take much to grow grass, is the point. And for the grass little grass the the rich um, um, um substance of milk is produced more than the calf can drink, and of course, cows are the kind of the central animals amongst those who um lend themselves to domestication and this is the 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 kind of meeting point between. Um, uncivilized and civilized human life when 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 agriculture is in place and which involves the domestication of animals, then man is no longer a hunter and a gatherer but starting to use his head a little bit instead sort of killing the animal 'll keep the animal until the soil, and i 'll have that much more over the winter in the form of grains and, and just just the body to eat and so forth and and so then, and then some kindness, caring, and so on and so forth. So, the cows have civilized the, uh, you know, the, the natives, hmm, so to speak. And um, and of course, this is a very nice, a very beautiful thing. It's uh, it's a meeting between humanity and the wild that that tames humanity to some extent. Uh, makes them a, 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 a properly done a, a caretaker uh, a lover and 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 the cows for example benefit much by proper human care and domestication and so forth and the product of the milk is um, is is central and it's very valuable and the price again um is is little in the form of grass so um they give hmm. They give a lot. Hmm. So the idea is that Krishna is surrounded by by givers. Hmm. And we should, to know him, we should become a giver. And if we have some concern that if I give entirely, who will protect me? Then we call out the name Gopal, Gopal, who protects the house. Hmm. They are giving, and, and 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 he's taking good care. So so Gokule, Rajamana. So the point is here that that, that um, Krishna is beautiful, but he shines brilliantly that much more in Gokul, implication being in the association of his devotees. So, properties to say Krishna is never alone, mm-hmm. something like that. It is said that Krishna is, what, Madan Mohan, hmm? the attractor of, Cupid Prabhupada just to say, proud Krishna is you know okay he's not that beautiful but when he's standing next to Radharani then he's very beautiful. This is the idea. When he's standing in the circle of the the Gop, Gop Gopal Gopa people, Gopas and Gopis, then he becomes very beautiful. It's it's a it's a way of of emphasizing their love, what this brings out of the absolute, the the, the face of the absolute that corresponds with the love of these people in this realm is the most beautiful form of the Absolute. This way he's describing a little bit his deity. He, his Ishwar, his Ishwar, the Lord of his life, hmm? He's he's he shines brilliantly in Gokul. Hmm? Their love shines the brightest light on the Absolute. He looks most beautiful, the Godhead, in that light. Hmm? Is is the idea. And then it goes to, to the leela, yasodha tatu So this is the famous Dhammadar leela. In uh, Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam, in the chapter preceding the uh, description of this leela, the binding of Krishna around His waist to the mortar by Mother Yashoda, uh Sugudeva Goswami had asked about the uh, the fortune of mother Ashoda and and on the in terms of their extraordinary um, position as the mothers and fathers of of krishna. How did they attain such a position hmm? what what did they do? He's attracted to this idea. What do they do to to attain this? What kind of activity? He's a king. He knows about so many things. What what can you do to get this? What, what's the formula? What's you know? So um, Sugadev, in the previous chapter, he tells a story briefly of Drona and Dara being ordered by Brahma, petitioning Brahma, and then told by Brahma to go to Earth and. They perform some austerities and so on and so forth, but um, um, the idea in this the, the next chapter, the ninth chapter, I think it is, of the tenth canto, in the eighth canto. This it's kind of a the eighth chapter is a little bit of the end of it's a beginning to this leela, mm-hmm. talking about Krishna's mischievousness and so forth, hmm? Mm. Hmm. and how he is, uh, although he is the son of the cowherd queen and king hmm, of Brudge, he is not satisfied at home with what they provide for him. And Marsh has 900,000 cows. Hmm, hmm, said, uh 108 different types of cows. 25, he has, he has 25 types of white, groups of white cows. 25 groups of red cows, 25 groups of black cows, 25 groups of yellow cows, mm-hmm. and eight groups of different types of cows, like speckled cows and cows with teelok and heads like lions, heads like madhongas. It's described. Krishna is said to have a, 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 a mala of 108 jewels hmm, that he that he, on which he. He chants the the names of the leading cows of the different groups to call them all together in the afternoon before heading back to the village. Hmm? Hmm. So many cows and plenty of milk at home, but he's going out into the village and uh, causing mischief in stealing milk products, butter and yogurts, or from other people. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a concern for Madhya Shoda, to, to whose attention it is brought by the neighboring ladies. It's said that Krishna, they complain. Krishna goes out, mm-hmm, and and then he lets the calves out, and they run everywhere. And so we all run out of our houses then to try to catch the calves, and he goes in with his friends, and... Breaks our butter pots and yogurt and steals that and so on and so forth and and uh, feeds all of his friends and uh, and so they they may they register complaints to Mother Yoshoda about him although they're they're angry with him it's a it's an expression of their their love for him and she of course without trying finds ways to deflect all of their charges. Against her son, it's, and saying, "Well, if why don't you put your yogurt up high?" And you know, then you know it's your fault. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, because he climbs on the back of you know his friends, and, and and why don't you put it in the dark? You know, well, no, because he lights the room up. You know, <laughs> even in the dark, and and so well, why don't you let him eat? Mm-hmm. Because it's not just him; he wants to feed the monkeys, and and have it, all the boys, and and so he he can empty out all of the stock, and so forth, and so on. So this kind of, you can imagine she's going out, and this is what the neighbors, neighboring friends are saying. So she deflects everything, but of course she comes back quite concerned and upset with Nanda Maharaj, who's you know the king of the coward community. And you can't provide milk that's tasty enough to keep our son at home. Of course, the idea is that he 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 there's, it's the thrill of it all. <laughs> it's not the taste, but the stealing of it and the excitement of it, the hmm? possibility of getting caught and so forth. This is what would attracts him. He's living for the thrill of it all. Hmm? <laughs> uh, never a dull moment in his his life, something like that. But non-marsh would of course take it to heart. Hmm? How could he not? His mother's wife's not happy. <laughs> and so <laughs> so he he collects the best cows, right, from his herd. I think they're called Pushpaganda, whose, 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 whose milk smells like, tastes, tastes like, like lotuses. Something like, you know, depending on what the cows eat, right, the taste of their milk. So he makes special grasses for them and grazes these cows there, hmm. And this is the attempt then to, to keep Krishna at home, and of course Mother Yasoda is, is, uh, as we'll hear, she is boiling the milk. From those cows that they have made as a household a great effort to to secure with the idea of keeping their son happy at home, so it doesn't work out like that um he's not happy for um, other extenuating circumstances so bio bio means here um biome fear so. This is a Leila Vatsalya rasa, but we find here um, the um, secondary rasa of Bhayankara, fear. Uh, it sometimes, and it's not relevant here, it, it shows itself, for example, in the form of Krishna's, uh, Krishna's sons in Dwarka may feel fear of Krishna because of the thought of having upset him, as children might do to their father. Hmm? It's a type of dasirasa, hmm? and so they might feel fear. So here, uh, Krishna is fearful. And this, uh, the, of course, we haven't began, we've gone into the leela, but he's fearful of Mother Yaśodā. Yaśodā yukala hmm? uh, So what did he do? He uh, the, the mortar is described, and so forth. So, again, what's happening in this chapter hmm, of the or leelas, that um, in the explanations prior to it of Krishna's mischievousness and, and the complaints of the neighbors and so on, all these charming um, uh, events and so forth, uh, the fortune of Mother Yashoda to have Krishna as her son is, is again asked about by Pariksit Maharaj. How did it happen? How did she get there? And he tells the story of Drona and Dara. But Brikshit Marsh is a very good student. We see that throughout the Bhagavatam. And so this story this chapter with the story of the Dominicela begins with the with Sugadev feeling that I can tell that my student is not satisfied with that explanation. Hmm? That that's very good. Why would he not be satisfied with that explanation? Because because how can one become the mother and father of Krishna. In one sense, because does that mean at some point he didn't have a mother and father? Hmm? So how can one become one, and how can one by the by the blessing of Brahma attain Vatsalya Rasa, when Brahma himself doesn't have Vatsalya Rasa, and is depicted in the sacred text as as an example of bhakti mixed with karma. Hmm? How can that person give vatsalya rasa? Not only vatsalya rasa, but the highest position of vatsalya rasa held, you know, the paradigmatic figure that most embodies vatsalya rasa is Yashoda, hmm? Nanda, Rohini, but first and foremost, Yashoda. So, Mars is wise enough to think like this. Hmm? How can and how how can somebody from from heaven or a celestial abode? Hmm, it's not making sense to him hmm, because he's heard of the, the teaching in the book is about anandabakti, hmm, and you can't get bhakti from materially pious activities, right? There's all kinds of brahmas for that matter; hmm? they're not all as elevated as our Brahma. So uh, it's a material position. Krishna says a Brahma So from even the Brahma Loka one has to take birth again and so forth. So it's not like entirely measuring up for him, and that's good. He's a good student. Hmm? Now people can read the Bhagavatam see and and, and and miss this point altogether. Um, the gopis are commented by some and other sampradayas are thought to be Upsaras from heaven and so forth, but this is not, you have to study Krishna Sandarbha, <laughs> Jiva Goswami, and then see the whole Bhagavatam and how it orbits around Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. Hmm? Krishna is the Supreme Personality of Godhead, and, and Ananya Bhakti in relation to Him is the ideal, and so on and so forth. So, 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 Sugadev begins this story, which in the, the apex, the zenith of which is, in the context of the narrative, is a beautiful verse in this ninth chapter glorifying the position of Mother Yasoda. Hmm? And Sukadeva says, just, after this, this beautiful Leela's narration is finished and the measure, nature of her love is described and so forth, Sukadeva says, this position of Mother Yasoda is so extraordinary that it could not be attained by Brahma, by Shiva, even by Lakshmi. What is her position? Hmm? It's a very famous verse. It's it's like the you know if you want about Saliabagdi you know gonna, it's going to be the hub around which your whole sadhana you should pass. It on to the Balaba. Some the Gaudiya perspective on that verse. Help them out hmm? where what is is prominent as a as a culture. Hmm? So again in the chapter he makes clear. He satisfies the concerns of Maharaj Pariksit by telling the Leela, and in the the context of telling a a prayer, a a verse of Mahima glorifying the position of Mother Yashoda as that which even Brahma can attain, Shiva, Lakshmi. Hmm? Hmm. Implication being that she's not a sadhana siddha. Hmm? And Krishna always has a mother, Hm. he's unborn, and he always has a mother, <laughs> something like that hm the um Kavi karnapur in his Ananda Vrindavan Champu um explains the prakat Lila, the manifest lila in the world hmm? as um having been arranged by Krishna so that mother yashoda could fully experience the motherhood of having a child because there's no birth pastime in in Golok. Hmm? When the pastimes are performed in human society, the idea is that they're sweeter. It's like filming a movie on location. It has extra added value. Hmm? So the human likeness of it is, therefore it's called the Nara-lila as opposed to the Devalila. There it's more celestial and here it's it's very human-like, and so the whole birthly that takes place and her motherhood, her vatsalia, is is, is uh, is perfectly uh, experienced and and uh, established in the world, something like that. Hmm. So she is the pinnacle of the vatsalia Rasa and 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 her position is not uh, one that is attained. By any and how is it attained? It's attained by what's the position of drone and Dara then? They took birth and then they being celestials So in the Lila, devotees will come from this world in another birth in in conjunction with the, with the manifest Leela and some will come from the heavens, just like we hear in the Gita. Kule what is that verse? Um, in the sixth chapter, Krishna says to Arjuna, Look, I know you're a little worried that if you give up the dharma, and you do the yoga that I'm recommending, and you're not successful in yoga, you'll be at fault for forgoing the dharma, and then you won't be successful in yoga, you'll be like a riven cloud what will be your position. Let me tell you what your position is, Krishna says. If you do the yoga that I'm advocating, and you do it imperfectly, you'll go to the heaven that you could go to if you perfectly did the Varnashram. Hmm? Mm-hmm. That's how much I want to tell you. It's important to do spiritual life. Hmm? He, he's saying, really he's saying, uh, oh, what does Narada say? ashobanam gyanamalam nirandinam chitti bhava, he says, go for it. Hmm. Go for the spiritual life. Even if you do it imperfectly, he said, there's, there's no fault. You'll pick up where you left off even. Hmm. And if you try to do it, in the karma mark, you try to do it perfectly. Unless you do it perfectly, you can't get the result. And in bhakti, even if we do it imperfectly, you get some result, and the result never goes away. So it's it's very there's the two ends of the religious spectrum the karma marg and and bhakti marg hmm? in between is the gyan marg which if you're pure you can pursue and bhakti marg even if you're impure you can pursue hmm? in the beginning so it's very powerful and uh, forgiving and you know there you've kind of using the ground if you fall down you have to use the ground to get up something like that's nothing beneath the ground so taking shelter of krishna there's there's nobody else to go to here hmm? you've taken shelter of krishna alone hmm? so even if you're not perfect there you have to use krishna to get back up again something like that <laughs> there's no uh, yeah, so uh, so anyway it's it's it krishna says so i want to encourage you because even if you do this imperfectly you'll go to heaven none of you go to heaven which is the goal of the varnashram hmm? in one sense, right? But you go there by way of being a sadhaka. So you're going to be there with a different frame of mind than everybody else. Hmm? And the implication is, of course, when I perform my pastimes, hmm, you can come. If, you, if you're if you there while I'm here, you can join me. So sometimes they come, Sakiras, so Sometimes they come. In Ras. So dronandara were like that. And coming from a celestial situation, they had the capacity to somehow identify with the with Na- Nanda and Yashoda and kind of it's kind of described like reside within them something like that and experience their vatsalya bhakti as they performed it and and then become as a result qualified themselves to attain vatsalya it's also a way of saying that in order to attain a place in in Gokul in Alila, you have to follow in the footsteps of the people of that place. Hmm? They are the ragatmikas. They have rag inborn in their atma, hmm? and by following them, that is called rag anuga. Anuga means to follow. Following them, hmm? if you follow them, then you go to the land where there is no return, and. And and they don't fall from there. That you can be sure <laughs> you can be sure about that. <laughs> right? The Ragatmagas don't fall and the Raganugas don't fall. So So he's this of course is all played out by the Goswami's writings, but this is what the Bhagavatam is is saying that in order to attain a position in Vatsalya and Sakya and Dasya. In in Madurya in, in, in Golok, you the sadhana involves following the ways of the people there. This and this is very central to the sadhana. Therefore it's important to fix up your goal. Hmm? To understand properly the, the sadhana, understand the influences, the help of Sri Gurudev, fix up your goal and then just like I say, you go to the mall and you you know, you wanna know you want to go to room one oh eight and it's on the map. It says it's right there. And then the other thing it says, and you are right here. You need to know where to go, and you need to know where you are, and then you put those together by going step by step by step by step by step by step. By step. Hmm? And and in, in one sense, knowing where to go is is a central part of the sadhana, hmm? because it's it's a very powerful. You have to understand this point. People approach Krishna for different reasons. He says it. My he said it to the Gopis people approach me for for eternal life or maybe for for things they want or they want to live forever hmm? some people approach me with a worshipable attitude because it's their duty to worship me. He so said this does nothing for me. they are not interested in me. they are interested in my worshipable form as Narayan. They're interested in living eternally. They're interested in getting temporary things. But no one's interested in me. What I'm about. What makes me tick. Hmm? If you have a rich person and you approach him or her because you want something, you know, he's just like, he's got no friends. Everybody's got, he's got all these friends, but you've got to be careful of them all. <laughs> something like that, right? Hmm. So nobody's interested in me for who I am. And and, and these are the paradigmatic people. Like is interested in me. How interested is she in me? Hmm? The idea is, she thinks he is my son, and this dominates her entire existence. You have to understand what that means. Everything connected with her is seen in that light. Hmm? So her house, her possessions, everything—she hmm? has no sense of them. And it's all—it's all like related to Krishna. Hmm? This is the center. And just by this dominant feeling of, in her case, Krishna is my son. All the problem of material existence, possessiveness, and, and minus, and so forth—that all. Uh, disappears. Therefore, Brahma said, "What is the nature of these people in Vrindavan? Hmm? They gave ev- they everything they've given to Krishna. They give everything to him. Everything is just simply used in his service. That's their perspective. What can he give them? They've given everything. What what can he give them? So he, the idea is, he gives himself. He's become the son." He is the son of Yashoda. It's not like he's playing a role. He is the son, and he is afraid here. Hmm? He is experiencing, hmm, Bayonkar in the context of his vatsalya. He's fearing the secondary rasa of fear. He's, he of course, the story has as to unfold. But uh, you know, this this is a uh, um, uh, it's an important point for us get this goal fixed up, then you have to know how to you know approach it properly, not in a, not in, a, in a, get ahead of yourself and so forth. but the point is that I would like to be like Subal, like Lalita like like Rada. this idea what Krishna says you're interested in that in me. People want eternal life. They want things. They worship me because it's they're supposed to. You're not concerned with any of those things. You're just interested in me. How much then Krishna becomes interested in us? If we become interested in that which like makes His world go round, hmm, then we'll get His attention. Right? Very, very. it's, it's a very it's central to the sadhana. Hmm? And then of course you have to proceed accordingly and according to your adhikar how you will. How you'll approach that, so forth. Hmm? But immediately we get Krishna's attention. Hmm? So, <laughs> so Yashoda Mai, and in, central to this uh, Leela, is the one who is bringing out the fear in Krishna by chasing him. And uh, of course, we have to go into the, the story again, which is told because mm, Sugudeva Goswami wants to satisfy his student Pariksit Maharaj by confirming outwardly his suspicions that you know, I don't think that... How can Brahma, you know, from what you've taught so far, how could Brahma give a blessing that would make it... You know, so, the idea of the Nityasiddhas and the idea that by following in their footsteps, that is the kind of sadhana then. Hmm? Not some blessing from Brahma, but... But by following that kind of sadhana, this is what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught. Hmm? That's why when he went to South India and he talked to Venkata and his good wife and posed the, the question, that, you know, you worship Lakshmi and Narayan, and Lakshmi is said to be a very chaste lady, the pinnacle of chastity, but um, I was wondering why you know she wanted to dance with Krishna when she's the chaste wife of Narayan. And Venkata said, oh, baby. <laughs> All right, very good. Not a problem, hmm? Prabhu. Uh, Krishna, Narayan, they are one. Hmm? In tattva, they are one. So Mahaprabhu was very satisfied with his answer, and he said, but I have a further question. And he said, why was she not successful? She wanted to dance with Krishna, but why was she not successful? And Venkata said, uh, uh. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even ask the question only the person who could ask like that could have the answer you, you tell me hmm? so lakshmi she couldn't enter into the rasa dance with krishna hmm? because there's a way to do that hmm? this is called raganuga bhakti hmm? and her 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 ego her spiritual abhiman is different from that and she went it said in the purana that uh, you know it performed austerities in vrindavan fasting eating only roots and fruits and things, and observing penances with a, with a desire to enter into the rasa dance. And Krishna appeared and said, Lakshmi, what are you doing here? You're supposed to be in Vaikuntha. Hmm? And she said, I've come here. I want to enter into the rasa dance. And Krishna said, well, you can't do it like that. <laughs> that's not the way. It's, uh, that's not the way. She said, well, tell me the way. She said, well, it's, very, it's just so easy. I mean, you know, you're doing these difficult things, fasting and... Uh, living a, you know, this is Lakshmi. I mean, you know, she's the royal lady. So you can just kind of imagine the contrast with her wearing a, a plain white robe and eating whatever falls from the trees and meditating and and so forth. This is not, you know, uh, the, the place for Lakshmi to be. So he's surprised and then he says, hey, and that's very difficult mm-hmm. and neither will be fruitful. So it's an easy way. What is that way? He said, well, you just have to, first you just give up your husband. And she's about pass out at that point, point. Yeah. and then you gotta marry a gopa, <laughs> and then you gotta give him up secretly and, and and that's that's what I gotta do. It's real easy. she's never me, my ego is different than that like can't, I can't you know digest that thought at all, so she of course she is partial manifestation of Radha and so on and so forth but there's a way, is the point. And this is what Mahāprabhu was telling Venkata, and Venkata was convinced. And so his, so his son, who became the great Gopal Bhatta, and his uncle, the great who was the great Prabhupada, and the Saraswati, they became the South Indian Brahmins. Hmm? They became Rāganuga Bhaktas, converted by Chaitanya Mahāprabhu himself, who, through the pen of Krishandas Kaviraj Goswami, is making this point. There's a particular way. Hmm? And it's basically, in a, in a nutshell, to follow the way in the wake of the love of the inhabitants of Braj. Gokule Brajmanam. So we talked about them. And, and and now, reflecting back on them in the context of this word here, which begins the description of the actual Lila. So in our next class, we'll we'll go into the Lila. We talked a little bit about why the Lila was explained and... and some of the build-up to it and so forth, and uh, in the next class we'll we'll go into it in, in more in more depth. Shri Dhamodarasthukum Kijai. What's the time? Ten after seven. Okay, we'll stop there. Shri Sivodayamadavakijai. Ko bhaktavindukijai. Go Premananda.